I was running down at breakneck speed with something chasing me in a Victorian corridor. Uh, I never want that to happen ever again. <laughs> Come on! Yeah. Where hinges creak in doorless chambers. Where strange and frightening sounds echo through the halls. This is the Theme Park Loopy Podcast. We are talking Halloween 2021 and we're going to ask all the questions. Is it happening? What to expect? Are we going to see more drive through attractions? And have there been any changes that have been made due to the current situation with COVID that we'd like to remain? And today we're joined by, as well as Brett and Sam, as usual, we're also joined by Ash from Scare Directory. So, Ash, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing really well, thanks. Uh, great to be here. Brilliant. And do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and where people can find Scare Directory? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we're scaredirectory.co.uk. Um, you can find us at that web address or you can find us on all the social media at Scare Directory. Um, essentially, type in your postcode and we'll tell you what scares are nearby. That's that's essentially what our website's for. So uh, yeah, check us out and uh, hopefully you like it. Brilliant. Thanks for that. And uh, Sam, you're from Coaster Sandblog. Do you want to just remind everyone where they can find you? Yes, indeedy. If you haven't checked out Coaster Sandblog on Instagram, please do. We upload reviews, opinion pieces, articles, and we even have our very own trivia theme park game show where it's for enthusiasts, made by enthusiasts, filmed quite literally in theme parks. So come on over, check out our IGTV have a look at our content and uh, give us a follow if you feel so inclined. And Brett, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, I'm Brett. I've got my usual Theme Parks by Brett Instagram page, stuff like that. Um, But since we're talking about Halloween today, um, I'll also drop in that I do have my own uh, scare attraction design and consulting company called Fear and Sons Immersive Horror Consulting. Um, And that's all on the usual places as well. Uh, I'm just uh, excited to start talking about Halloween already. Yeah, it's a little bit early. It's February uh, as we're recording at the moment. I'm not sure when this episode will go up, but it may well still be February. However, planning will be going on uh, for Halloween events because they obviously take a lot of planning. Uh, But I'm just going to simply ask this question. What should the public expect from Halloween 2021? I think different to previous years it's hard to know if we still have social distancing and we still have to wear masks then you're going to have limits to how many people you can have in your attractions um will we see more linear based attractions so visiting scare kingdom um last year that's always been linear um and actually you find that throughput was pretty much the same as normal um so linear can work if you need to maintain like you know a bubble of six or whatever the rules are at that point in time so maybe we'll see that we might see more linear attractions or attractions that were previous more like a festival atmosphere there might be a route through them um again it might be dependent on the rules that sort of come into place 
Yeah, I think the the big loss for for scare attractions in the UK last year, um, the biggest probably attraction that that didn't open was was Tully's Shocktoberfest. Now Tully's Shocktoberfest has thousands and thousands of people a night. Uh, it's very much like Ash just mentioned, a festival kind of atmosphere. You go and queue for attractions as as you go, and then you get piled through in groups of thirty at a time. Um, I don't think, even if the likes of Tully's are able to open, I don't think we'll be seeing that. I do think we'll be seeing more like these, uh, I think we refer them to as daisy chain events, where you actually just, you do the first attraction, you go and queue for the second attraction, third and so on. And then at the end of your night, rather than going for food in the general area where there's a band playing, um, you, you probably get in your car and go back home. Uh, there will be some differences. Uh, fingers crossed we see more events open this year than we had last year, though. Yeah, I think another thing that we can expect to perhaps stay around is this new phenomenon of drive-through horror experiences. Now, I say new phenomenon um, because previously I'd not seen anything like this really come to the UK. There may have been some stuff in other countries, in the US, possibly. Um, but in terms of drive-through immersive theatre that was literally brand new uh for the uk last year and we um okay we we definitely i'm sure took inspiration from what was happening over in the us um but from from the the few events that ran it looks like it was actually very very popular um as a safe and enjoyable way to get some scares but i think perhaps also why it worked so well is because it was just a brand new concept for for, for for theater and leisure entertainment you know it's uh, you know and, and halloween entertainment at that you know I, I think it was this everyone was kind of booking with slight intrigue as to it being a completely new format of experiencing theater um and yeah i think i think perhaps perhaps we could see events uh sticking around and, and we could see drive-through events staying uh for a few years especially if they continue to be successful as kind of a easier, fun, quick way to get those thrills and horror spills. See, I think we should take a little bit of credit for that because I'm just looking back at when we did our Halloween episode last year and we spoke about it in August and we talked about the in the United States because we spoke with Stephen from Frill Max and we were talking about the drive-through events. But at that time in August, I don't remember any drive-through events being announced in the UK. However, shortly after that, there just seemed to be endless drive-through events. So I'm not sure, I, I mean, I'm not I'm not saying, but I mean, maybe maybe people have been listening to this podcast and, and getting a few ideas, I'm, I'm not sure. Did you single-handedly start the drive-through experience trend? Is, is, that, is that your claim? Maybe, maybe. I mean, we, we, had a bit, we had a bit of a laugh about it at the time, I think. Um, I think Sam had a bit of a joke about it, and we sort of did question the safety of drive-through events. But luckily, uh, it seems like uh, you know that they went off without a hitch in the UK. Um, I still have some questions about about it, but um, I did see one event that was being run where you had to kind of go into like a car wash, and then you had to stop, and then all the kind of actors came out while you were in the car wash, kind of thing. And then you drove out. And that's quite a safe way of doing it. If you're driving along a road, 
and are still moving forward and these actors, you know, that is a bit of a logistical challenge. So do we think that the events that were run last year have maybe learned any lessons that they're going to put into action this year? I think generally they were run in quite a safe way um, from the experience I had in that you would, in most cases, um, drive up to something that would stop you, either a stop sign or a traffic light, and then the action would happen around you. And most actors wouldn't go in the path of the car either. So, you know, the chances of being run over were minimal. And they, you know, there was rules like, you know, put your handbrake on, turn your engine off. Um, so they did what they could to keep the actors safe. Um, and yeah, I felt the actors were very safe, actually, at the um, events I visited. See, I think we could really, we could really see this coming into its own. I think now that we've kind of almost had a trial year, I think they parks and, and scare parks and, and such could could really utilize the idea of um adding like an extra add-on event uh, add-on attraction sorry to their event or um uh, an additional experience perhaps when you first uh drive up into an event to go through to the parking area maybe you could almost have a bit of a mini drive-through experience just to set the scene even if you don't have it as an attraction i think it's such a cool idea um and it just adds that extra level of immersion in terms of you don't only you don't only get the scares when you're in the screen park or at the event itself but you never know when the scares they could come at you when you're leaving or when you're entering or even when you and you think you're in the safety of your own car and wouldn't it be so cool if there could be a technology where you could like interfere with people's car radios in the nearby and then you could almost what if you could like uh like give them a, a new set of directions that would just come through their radio of like tell them to drive and they'd like essentially drive to a, a secret scare experience or something which is like a separate drive through thing that could be quite cool i don't know there's loads of loads of cool things you could do yeah i think your idea about it happening as in like an add-on to an event is a really fun idea and i think you know there's no reason why someone couldn't try and explore that as a as an option even if it, you know as you say it could be just a small thing it could be a big thing but you know just a little bonus that even unadvertised you know just that's at the end just adds a bit more added value to an event i don't know if you can shed any more light on this off obviously ash i think you said you actually did all of the drive-through events that appeared in the uk um yeah yeah i i saw a couple of videos um that that actually actors open the car doors and and climbed into the car now I don't know if I don't know what event that was. I don't know if that was a one-off situation, um, but I saw a lot of photos and videos of people with their windows open and actors mm -hmm. without PPE on, um, kind of screaming in windows of cars that that were open. Um, is that something that that happened, or was that a one-off situation that maybe no one should be worried about? I think what's um, very clear is, uh, so, so the actors always kept their distance. So I think there could be an element of like perception um, from, uh, you know, what people saw. So say for someone opened a door and yeah, car doors were open. They'd open it, but they would stand the other side of the door or they kept distance between you and them. Or if, they, so some were windows down, some were windows up. If they were windows down, they would come you know, near the window, but they might have props. So they wouldn't reach in themselves, but they might have like, say a mallet or a, like fake baseball bat, and that would come into the car. So 
I think they worked around it that way. So I didn't, I didn't feel unsafe at any of the drive-throughs, and I didn't feel people were getting particularly close. Um, and it, it did vary. Some were completely window shut, no one touched your like your car was always touched, but um, in some cases, no one would have even tried to open a door. Uh, whereas others, they would open the door. But I, again, I don't think any of them came particularly close in that I'd be worried about, um, you know, catching um, COVID or anything like that. Okay. Yeah, it was it was just nice to clear up. I know that a lot of people have seen photos and said, wait, why is the window open? And, and you know, I've still questioned that, that maybe couldn't get to an event. I was in Wales. I couldn't go anywhere, really. So I didn't manage to get to many events at all. Uh, so I had a lot of questions about these events after I saw windows open. I thought, does that not defeat the object? So for any listeners that, that you know, maybe are concerned about even drive through events in some way, just contact the event. They'll give you all the information. I'm, I'm sure that they're willing to, to help you understand the way the event works and and, and give you a bit more confidence in, in, in the safety of the event. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. I can say that um, last year I was very fortunate enough to be a part of the, the Scarefest team. And one of the things that was stressed and trained and, you know, and they talked about on their, uh, all of their marketing um, promotional materials uh, was that we were all taught about how to create the illusion of closeness. So we all were kept, we always kept at a safe distance. Uh, obviously, we all had PPE on anyway, um, guests and um performers uh but we were we, uh, just as you said ash we, we used props similar to the drive-through events we were using props uh to get kind of closer in terms of creating the illusion that we were actually physically closer than we were um so it's interesting to see that that uh had been carried out at other events across the uk um as i say because i was really just kind of mainly at mainly uh at Alton Towers so I hadn't had a chance myself to go and explore other events but it's great to know that other uh scare attractions uh, around the around, around the place utilize that as well because I think it it was so interesting as it really 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 did work you know because almost people when you're holding a weapon it's quite funny people they walk past you and they go oh like he's two meters or whatever like it's fine whatever sometimes when people see you uh, and you're holding a weapon they don't always clock the fact that you've got a weapon in your hand so they'll be like oh it's fine he's two meters away uh he's not quite yet in our um in our personal space so we're not quite yet scared but then as soon as you actually bring out this enormous weapon which does invade their space uh which they somehow don't process um that almost creates an entire an entirely new uh scare and a breach of personal space that perhaps uh, is totally different to just kind of a, a performer or, or um, actor getting right in your face. So it was interesting to see that, as I say, other events were, were using those tactics, tactics as well. Yeah, I'm going to ask you, Sam, um, how different did it feel last year for a scare actor from, from your perspective? So last year was interesting because usually, obviously, when you do scare acting, you get, you get very close to people and... Um, I try not to, but in some places you touch uh, the guests. I think touch is like the very last resort for a scare. I think if you have to resort to touch personally, then it's like you're not you're not scaring hard enough, in my opinion. Um, so, uh, but I found that really it was it felt pretty similar, apart from the fact you're wearing a mask um, and the guests wearing a mask, and you always had to keep in mind about your distancing so you knew 
in your head where the kind of invisible boundaries were of where you could move within your space. Um, you kind of set your own kind of boundaries, if you like, throughout rehearsals and things of where you could move to, to where it was a safe distance. So other than that, and keeping those in your head, you know, you were, you were still utilizing the same things, the same scare tactics, the same um, performance techniques, really. Uh, there was nothing particularly to me that stood out as overly different apart from the fact that you couldn't go near people you were wearing a face mask and you just always had to be wary of not literally just not getting close to to that and being careful of what you touched so but other than that it was it was fairly normal um i don't know if you guys had had anything to to add because i know ryan you you came to the event and um ash i i don't know if you came to scarefest last year and um yeah it'll be it'll be interesting to know what 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 you guys thought i absolutely love toxic junkyard in scarefest multiple times um i haven't said but yeah i i i thought the use of space and the use of levels and the use of like the massive mallets and all that sort of stuff was it it was it was one of the best mazes of last year and was Possibly one of the best mazes I'd been through ever. <laughs> Come so, on, yes. I'm not, I'm not. I'm not saying that just because I've said it on other things and I've said it elsewhere. You know, I genuinely thought it was a very enjoyable attraction, um, and both runs were good in different ways as well. So I noticed different things each time. Each of the two times I went through. So, so yeah, it was yeah, it was very good, and I think there's a lot to be learned from it. But every time you went through, you just thought chainsaw number two. He's got some good chainsaw work going on there. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, you went the chainsaw people. I oh, so see. It's all about mallet people. Well, well, no, I mean, you know, I was, um, I was fortunate enough to. Uh, well, you can you kind of switch and rotate anyway. You kind of do different things every day. But um, I was very fortunate. I was uh, my my character was was Wilbur the clown, and that was a character that I created, um, and. Uh, Wilbur was multi-skilled. Wilbur could use mallets. He could use um, all kinds of funky, funky things, uh, including chainsaws. So you know, it's uh, yeah. The, the, there was a lot of fun sections in in, in that maze, um, and a lot of really cool moments you could create, or Wilbur could create, and um, it it was so much fun. But yeah, when Ryan came through. Wilbur was working on uh, on chainsaw number two that day. He had the honour, so uh, so Wilbur was quite pleased to see Ryan come through <laughs> as he'd heard so much. But yeah, it was. It, uh, do you know what? We all had so much fun. That's, I mean, apparently, so the clowns had a, such a fun time. Just it just like you know it just you'd have that such a different environment. It'd be more like a party experience. It's not cold. Not everyone's not wrapped up in like coats and stuff. It'd be lovely just being like shorts and a t-shirt, just enjoying scares. What I liked about uh, Scarefest last year was that you were going through with your own group. So it was just me and Shelley going through by ourselves, and I think that added to the immersion because I really hate that kind of conga line. You know, you get put together with 10 other people. The person at the front goes too quickly. The person at the back's going too slowly. And um, it just kind of ruins it because half the time you're worrying about what your group are doing. I think that's a really valid point. And that's something that I think COVID has 
shown us is that actually going through in smaller groups makes the experience so much better. Do we think that um, due to there being a lower capacity in mazes um, has, was obviously because we had to have lower capacities in parks in general? This is obviously talking about screen parks and, and theme parks more than individual attractions. But because there was a lower capacity, they could obviously they could get through putting two to four people at a time. Do, do we think that maybe in the future there's ways of working around getting two to four people in at a time, but at full capacity as normal? I don't think it'd be possible in some, especially the big parks. I think, I just don't think you could make it work uh, unless you had like some kind of upcharge ticket, but then that ruins the experience for the people who don't pay the extra. So uh, it's a real tough it, one. Yeah. I think yeah. it depends on the design of the attraction, because if you kind of use it as a kind of zigzag kind of approach, you can always have, that slight separation can't you um so i think they're just gonna have to think a little bit more about the kind of layout i'll tell you what works really well the the attic because the sections are quite small and so there were probably quite a few people going through the attic at any one time um however i never saw anyone else i only saw saw the actors um so i thought that worked really well the only thing i didn't like was that when you were queuing up to go into the attic you were seeing people coming out and because they'd already gone down the stairs and they'd already kind of had a bit of time to kind of unwind a little bit they were coming out looking a bit nonplussed and it it kind of ruined the immersion a little bit whereas with toxic junkyard the exit was at the far end you couldn't see people coming out and with the with the mine with the mine tours um you you could sort of see people coming out but they had they had some like wild west um you know like campground in in the way so you couldn't really see people coming out so i would say i i understand why the layout is how it is but i think they need to kind of think about that next year i think you need to have an eye for detail i think and i think alton towers i don't know if there was no other way of safely letting people out of the attic but it, it spoiled the immersion for me so i'd like them to have a think about that. Maybe a, a way of working that out would be to to have one final scene at the bottom of the stairs, say something like that. To to you know, um, there was uh, a really interesting attraction at Thorpe Park. It was the passing. Um, they had like incredibly see through hoods, and inside the hoods there was uh, uh, speakers. I, I've heard mixed reviews about the speakers. But the really interesting thing about the end of that attraction was uh, there was a gift shop, but it was a fake gift shop. Uh, and then once you left the gift shop, the attraction continued. Uh, so so maybe something like that. And I think stuff like that is, is so fascinating and, and so much fun to, to create as well. So I would love to see more stuff like that. They had a fake gift shop at the end of the mine tour, actually. Um, and there was a guy, he was holding like a gun. And the final scare was that it let off the gun just as you were walking past. Um, and I thought that were a really nice touch. Um, but yeah, I do like the idea of having a fake gift shop and then continuing the scares. That sounds good to me. I think, oh sorry, I think in the uh, in the mind tours it's a bit more obvious that you're in a gift shop. I think that's, um, but this was, was literally the end of the attraction. There was a normal member of staff. There was a normal shop. And then once you left the shop, the attraction continued, which is, is really, really cool. I, I remember doing the passing. I, and I remember 
I must have been 15 or something, 14. And I remember my hood being taken off. Yeah, speaking to the member of staff. And then it all hell broke loose. I, why do I remember like the entire room going pitch black? And like, you know, you, we all thought we were at the end. I remember thinking, so. yeah, there was, there was a gift shop where you could buy like photos or something at the beginning. And I didn't question it. Because, I, I mean, I was 15, so I didn't really want to buy a photo anyway. Yeah. And then and then you still had to go and walk through it. And we thought it was over. And it was, uh, yeah, that's right. And wasn't there something to do with the coffin at the very end or something? I can't, I, you know, I can't remember. But that was, it was quite, I remember being quite spooked out by it. The only thing that I remember being a bit disappointed by with that was that you could literally just see through the hoods. So it was like, you could quite clearly see that where everyone was, what was happening. But, um... But I like, but when I did the hooded maze at Tully's, that was almost completely different because that that you really couldn't see the hoods and you were really holding onto the rope and that 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 was cool. Um, this is quite a good little throughput talking about what we're talking about actually. Um, will COVID mean we see the end of hooded attractions? Now I've run a hooded attraction myself. The hoods are not shared. Um, they are taken and washed and. Re- reused later they're, they're never um just taken and, and given to the person at the end of the queue again but um even though that might be the case do we think that just the possible thought of oh are people reusing the hoods even if that's not the case might actually mean they're less popular i think they will be less popular i think they'll still exist so extreme um still did uh hoodoo voodoo um, yet they didn't use hoods, they used a uh, blindfold instead. And it had the same effect, actually. Uh, and to be honest, I think a blindfold would work better in some of these things than um, others. Um, but again, yeah, it's, it's people's concerns about things getting, you know, are they clean and stuff. Uh, you know, it might be this year, they might be not so common, but I think they'll come back. Because, uh, yeah, I think for some people, uh, I, th- I think, I don't know, I think once you've been through one hooded attraction, it takes a lot to make a good hooded attraction. Uh, and I have been through good ones, but um, yeah, I think for general public though, removing that sense, I think it adds a an element of scare. And I think the general public probably do find it scarier than maybe somebody who's been through a few hooded attractions in their time. Yeah, I think Voodoo Hoodoo, or I think I'm saying that right, um, was the only hooded attraction I've ever been through that was just wow, amazing. However, I think that's due to because it it was also a scare attraction after the hooded section. One that always sticks out in my mind is Screen Factory. Um, they use the hooded section really well, um, and especially at Valentine's, it uh, cool. it's it's so tongue in cheek. It's hilarious, um, and it's a shame we missed that this year. Yeah, one thing I love about some of that the, there are a couple of events or companies that run scare attractions all year round, but I love the idea of it being like. February or November or sometimes June or July and you can go through like a horror a horror experience or a scare um, experience when it's not even Halloween because I think that's the nicest thing now that because the summertime you know it's such so warm and it's the perfect environment for like a summer screen park you know what I mean and it's such a shame I feel like sometimes the horror industry in the UK really is only there for like six weeks and then it goes away i mean it's such a shame because i don't know the summertime again in the uk is actually quite nice and it's when people want to be like outside and doing things and so yeah i just always think it's a bit of a missed opportunity so it's it's great when when events do run kind of year round 
scare experiences? Oh, I'd love summertime scares. Uh, it just, it just like, you know, it just, if you'd have that such a different environment, it'd be more like a party experience because it's not cold. Not everyone's not wrapped up in like coats and stuff. It'd be lovely just being like shorts and a t-shirt, just enjoying scares. And brilliant. Imagine it. Imagine it. You do the you do the scares, and then you have like I don't know, like circus of horrors, or what, or you have like a live performance event or something. Um, you have a band that plays. It would almost turn into a bit of a festival atmosphere. Um, you know, because because it's the middle of summer, and you know, no one's desperate to jump in the car and go home, or like, or, I mean, Brett, I think you know, twenty twenty two, twenty twenty three. That's uh, we we that's when we go for our idea. <laughs> Yeah, I definitely think so. I've actually written down the word summertime scares because I think that's a really good name for an event. Well, if you st- if you use it, let me know. <laughs> I'll, I'll credit you. It's cool. Scare, scare directory will have a little kind of trademark next to it. That's fine. <laughs> Do we think that this year are we going to see a lot more digital events, um, scares that you can do at home? Um, because there may be still some fears that things may get shut down again this October. You know, we don't know how it's going to go. Are we seeing that there's potentially going to be a lot more digital events this year, do we think? Well, one thing that I've noticed that's been coming into play a lot more in the industry recently is um, uh, like audio experiences. So companies like Darkfield, um, if you guys have ever done done a Darkfield, um, I would say event because they technically are a ticketed event um, that you tune into. But um, they're awesome. It's like uh, essentially three D audio. So if you've ever if you've ever YouTube's like the the barber or like the torture room or any of those three D audio experiences, it's like that, but just ten times better and high quality and more immersive. Um, and there are ones that you can do with uh, another person in the room. Like for example, their show Double, you can do another person. Um, or there's ones that you can do where it's just by yourself on a bed. Uh, that's called Eternal, I believe. Um, and that's much more scary, but they're, they are really good, um, immersive horror experiences that they basically took their, their, their sort of format for entertainment, which is what they did before. They took their idea of using immersive audio, uh, shows and, uh, and experiences, which they would previously do at a location, but they just brought it home into a more into a more accessible format that you could do at home in it and it's worked really well i mean brett you said you went to uh their show coma um so for anyone that didn't know they did uh they did some of their events uh inside shipping containers where they literally themed the shipping container to the experience and then it also was a bit of a binaural audio experience um how was that and and have you done any of their at home experiences and if so What's the sort of compare and contrast? What was your experience? I haven't done any of the at-home ones yet. Um, they're called Darkfield Radio, I believe it. Uh, and how it works is you, you essentially buy a ticket to a live-streamed radio, um, and, and that's how it kind of works. You then download the stream. And, and So that's a really interesting way. But they've always been, you mentioned Darkfield being mobile. Um, all of their events outside of the radio situation is... They have been mobile. They've been in shipping containers. Um, now, here is one that I definitely wouldn't recommend at summertime scares because they get incredibly hot. Uh, lying down in, in a coma uh, on a bunk bed with 20 other people in the blazing hot sun in the middle of summer was was 
you could barely keep your attention uh, to what was going on. It was that hot in there. But the actual event was was so, so cool. And your surroundings matched the audio. I assume they have a bit more trouble in in matching audio with individuals' homes. Um, but they can obviously generalise things like that. But the actual dark field events, they, they now, uh, from time to time, obviously when it's when it's allowed, they put all three or four of their containers. They have the seance, coma. Um, the, there was another one. Is it, is it just called flight? I'm not entirely sure. Yeah, yeah, it's just called flight. Um, and they have those all in one as a, as a little mini event that, that you can do all three or four of them. Yeah, and um, we I had the chance to go to that event where they had all three of them. Um, and yeah, Darkfield are incredible. One thing I noticed with doing Darkfield radio is, like you mentioned, the control of the space. Um, I think if your room's set up perfectly and fits with the audio, then you have a much better experience. Um, whereas I found like I did, there was one that you sat in your kitchen. I can't remember the name of it now. Um, and you sat opposite someone. Was that was that double? Hit, was it double? Pretty, it might have been double. Sure I, I, double. I think double well, was, was set like, in the, the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, so in that one you could hear like the the um, the fridge and stuff, and you know if you heard that and your fridge was to the left and you were hearing it to the right, it just kind of ruined the illusion a little. Um, but you can't fault them; it, it's an incredible experience. And and if you get a chance to do it in person, it's oh, flight terrifying. <laughs> um, yeah, flight's so good. I, I I really hope we see more of of those touring shows that they do and, and moving those shipping containers around because i know that even the likes of merlin um warwick castle one year hired out i think it was seance they hired out and brought it to their haunted castle event and just put it in the grounds so i think it would be so great to see darkfield sort of moving their events around perhaps even in the summer um you know and almost almost you could almost create a little festival atmosphere there as well with that um and yeah, it, it's it'll be really interesting to see what they come up with next because, as I say, they're they're awesome events and the fact they can fit all of these incredible shows inside shipping containers just shows there is absolutely no limits to what they can achieve. So it will be um it'll be awesome to see what they come up with next. Yeah, and let's be honest, they've had time to think about it. Hey, they might even bring some of the like Darkfield radio stuff to a into a shipping container. Why not? You know, you could do something probably quite interesting there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, could you imagine if you had a, um, an experience where it was just one person at a time in a shipping container? That would be cool. So much potential. Mm. Yeah, they'd have to price that as appropriately because it wouldn't be that cost-effective, though. <laughs> that would be the problem. Oh, that's true. That's very true. So I've asked the question on the Theme Park Loopy chat group whether it would be a good idea this year to have a virus-themed scare event um and as it stands is a bit of a split of opinion at the moment a couple of people are saying yes some people are saying no um one person did say it's, it's too tacky as a concept uh someone did say it would be like walking around little full of masked up zombies jumping out of your way in the veg aisle yeah maybe um so what do we think about virus-themed events? You know, Is it a good idea or a bad idea at the moment? Obviously, when we talk about virus-themed events, we generally think about zombies. I have literally made an oath to never do zombies. Um, on a personal opinion, 
I find them not an incredibly interesting concept to work with. I absolutely, I live to make new interesting concepts. That for me is what I love to do when creating an attraction. Uh, so zombies for me and virus themes isn't really where I would put an attraction anyway. However, lots of people do and they sell incredibly well. Uh, some of the biggest events in the country uh, are zombie themed and virus themed. Uh, there are some attractions called virus, for instance, you know, or have been previously. Uh, so I do see how at the minute, yes, it can be deemed as a little bit insensitive. Um, but we do have to remember that these things are creations. They, they are not based on real life events. Um, when we see coronavirus, the scare attraction, then maybe we can discuss how it's a bit inappropriate. Um, but, but yeah, I can see how these definitely are a little bit touchy subjects at the minute. Um, I personally wouldn't do one at the minute just because I, I know people that have lost people during this during this pandemic and and I know that maybe their thoughts would be slightly different to those who you know have have had an awful time it, we've all had a pretty terrible time but you know there are some people that have had a, a horrific time that that might not deem you selling tickets to an attraction called virus uh, to be too tasteful uh, there is however a discussion to be had that could be linked to um, asylum themes. Um, it was very well documented that Asylum at Thorpe Park was essentially closed because of its connotations or its negative connotations towards mental health. Is it in a similar vein as that conversation? I think personally, when it comes to the zombies uh, thing, I think you've got to kind of draw a line between what's what's kind of real and what's escapism and fantastical what i mean by that is if you look at zombies as a in cinema for example the way they've been normally uh documented or or, or um or, or shown on screen is that they they, they they die and then rise back from the dead right which is, is impossible um so i think if an event was to run i think they would focus they should focus more on that um and audiences if you choose to go through it should understand that what that event is trying to do is is talking more on the fantastical side of zombies the fact that it's not it's it's not real you know they're dead and they come back alive you know that kind of happens so um but i think in terms of your discussion around negative connotations towards mental health in regards to asylum i think it's very hard to run a hospital style attraction or using that narrative of like a hospital out of control without you you couldn't run that theme um without drawing attention and unfortunately as you say uh, creating ne ne negative connotations because the whole point of that theme is exactly that you know it's a hospital out of control um and the, and the patients that, that reside in it could potentially harm you, which I, th I actually agree with a lot of the media hype and stuff. I don't think that is appropriate. And I think that is 
unlike there's unlike the virus and the zombie separation i don't think there is a clear separation between a hospital theme and uh, i don't think you could separate it because you're you're still the, the the theme is still targeting a place which is to help people recover who are in needs and also who are who suffer from an illness that they're struggling with and perhaps can't pass through it do you know what i mean so it's very hard to differentiate between what's fantastical and actually a theme based off of um like a, a real life situation with the aside i don't i don't mean i don't know what you guys think about that it's just yeah it's it's a really interesting thought because if you want something to be scary what's the scariest thing is things that could happen to you whereas zombies vampires um aliens you know you name it um killer clowns it possibly could happen but you know it's it's not it's it's separated from reality i think if you were careful you might be able to do something that is based on reality but i agree with things you're saying you'd have to tread very carefully and you'd need to pitch it would need to be tastefully done you know you're not doing it to poke fun at people with those conditions or you're not you know not doing it to poke fun at people say who suffered with um, coronavirus you're creating something that's yeah it's like everything there's always a line and you have to just pitch it just right because you know if i was creating an event i wouldn't want to offend anyone in it but i would want it to be terrifying this is a real tough conversation we're all stumbling over our words because we're trying to find the right thing to say um but you just mentioned a really interesting thing that actually is the reason why we're finding this so difficult could you replace a hospital or virus asylum theme with killer clowns however there have literally been killer clowns. So is that another subject we need to talk about? And then at that point, like Ash said, where to draw the line? It, it could go on forever. There's potentially something in every concept we ever think of that will offend mm. someone somewhere. So at what point do we say killer clowns is good, virus is bad? Now, I'll be interested to see what your thoughts are on this. Could you change it so you become the patient? Ooh. And it's the doctors, it's the doctors treating you that are the scary thing. You know, they're doctors who have like some twisted alternative agenda mm -hmm. beyond treating you. See, that's what I think would be quite scary. You know, the patients aren't scary. There's nothing scary about a patient. What's scary would be a twisted doctor. Yeah, I've just always thought there's something in that, being the patient and visiting doctors. I haven't thought about it enough to have a fully formed idea, oh, so but there's a, something there. It's a great idea. It's a really great idea, my goodness. Can you imagine if you put a gown on, if you put a robot, like a scrubs? Mm. Yeah, absolutely. You could, so much, so, like, so much you could do. Like, you could, like, you know, be put to sleep, and, you know, in quotation marks. You know, there's so much you could do. I'm but, making um, lots and of keep notes. It, it's, this, it's, by it's, the way. it's very interesting i did an event one of the best one okay one of the best single-handedly scare immersive theater not even scare but just immersive theater events i've ever done in my entire life was by dot dot london now they're at the moment running a show based off war of the worlds but dot dot somni. london um yeah it was it was somni did you do it brett i did not i know a bit about it oh my goodness gracious me okay i went on a saturday morning 10 a.m didn't know what to expect i literally don't even know why i booked oh that's why i booked tickets i was so in my previous job i was driving around london a lot because of where i was working and um 
I would always see these boards and it would just say sleep with us around everywhere and then somni.com and then when you went on the event it just said it's at a secret location it didn't give anything away what was happening and just it was like 50 quid a ticket and I was feeling so spontaneous I was like I kept on seeing billboards and weird commercials everywhere that were so guerrilla almost like guerrilla advertising and I was like what what is it and so um, my boyfriend at the time he was he really was um uh, perhaps uh, quite quite trusting of me because I used to book all these random stupid things and we just go and do them on a the weekend and so I, I booked um I booked for us to go to Somni at 10 a.m because I was like what is this Somni thing my goodness we rocked up and oh I've never experienced anything like it I mean uh, there were moments I won't give it away if it ever comes back because it was absolutely bonkers I mean I was I cried I was I was crying as I was going through I was I was that scared um there were moments when I just remember living out that genuine nightmare of I was running down a corridor I was physically running in pretty much like uh with with a, almost like a gown on oh, well, I did have a gown on and um and, and socks seriously because uh, I'd been made to take off the stuff that I was wearing I was running down at breakneck speed with something chasing me in a Victorian corridor. Bearing in mind, I was just in some random... I had been taken down an elevator shaft in a complete big open space that was in this metal, metallic, horrendous, um, like like a big building. And I, I saw two doors in front of me and I was told... Uh, that I had to choose a door and I was I burst into tears I didn't know what to do I was like I can't choose a door because I was by myself because I didn't know where my boyfriend had gone they were like you need to need to save him and he was they were like you need to go through one of the doors and then the person was like you're on your own I just left me and I was standing there in the blooming pitch black two spotlights on each of the doors I went through a door I realized I'm giving away a lot of spoilers I went through a door and I entered this Victorian corridor I, I'm, I'm, I'm serious this complete fully immersive victorian corridor and then before you know it this thing started chasing me i was screaming and crying just going oh god oh god oh god oh god running as fast as i could uh streaming tears down my face i was like i could see the door at the end i was like oh my gosh okay there's a door i burst through the door and it was another corridor i i, I am not making this up i went through another corridor i then turned a corner and i was like shing it's got to be the end burst through another door it was another blooming corridor oh my gosh i almost tripped and fell oh my goodness i have never been so oh and then at the end we had to do this whole hospital thing where we were similar to put being put to sleep i i it, thank god there was a bar at the end i tell you that much i because uh, i met my after being away from my ex for like um uh we i think we were separate in the experience for like a, it felt like forever and my goodness we ended up uh, meeting at this one point and then we were like i just saw him and he was he was huddled in a corner in his dressing gown crying and i burst through the door and he went oh my gosh and i went i was like did you just go through what i went through and he was like i think so i don't know and and we were both red in the face tears down our face being like what is this and then we and we did the finale bit and exited and oh my gosh we had a couple of drinks at the bar after i tell you what if 
that was still to this day the the single-handedly most immersive best theatrical experience i have ever experienced in my life ever it was oh. only 10 15 a.m after it all was that. it was amazing it was incredible <laughs> incredible in incredible it does sound amazing yeah sounds brilliant it was quite spenny. It was like 60 quid. And my only worry is that War of the Worlds isn't going to live up to it because I, I will go to that when it opens back up. So I'm scared it's not going to live up to how good that was. But um, it is worth 60 quid, hands down. Yeah, sounds good. Okay, so just to wrap us up then, um, ending on a high, um, what are we all looking forward to in Halloween 2021? Actually doing an event. Uh, 2020 Halloween was the first Halloween I've not worked in about eight years. Um, and it was really strange being sat at home on Halloween doing nothing. Uh, I never want that to happen ever again. Um, for me, it's um, two things, really. It's going to a lot more events than I was able to this year, well, last year, and um, getting to go to Scream Camp again, as I had tickets for last year and obviously didn't get a chance to go so i'm hoping um you know it's able to take place this year and if not it'd be something to look forward to in 2022 yeah i'm just really with brett to be honest i'm looking at i'm looking forward to just getting back out there and and uh and working a working a great halloween at some place wherever that may be but i i just can't wait to do it honestly i can't wait to get back and, and work a work another halloween yeah, I, I definitely agree with those. I'm I'm hoping that we're going to have a, a really good Halloween. Ideally, I'd like to get out to Port of Ventura, maybe out to Germany and see some of the events out there, but I'm not sure if that's going to happen. So I'll probably just support the UK scene as, as much as I can. So before we finish, Ash, do you want to just remind everyone where they can find you? Yeah, sure thing. So scaredirectory.co.uk um, and scaredirectory on all the social media, primarily Instagram. That's where uh, most of the interaction happens. Brilliant. Thanks for that. And uh, Sam and Brett, come on, give us a, a final plug. Uh, you can find me in all of the social media stuff under Theme Parks by Brett, or you can actually follow all of my scare attraction related stuff uh, where I design my own attractions uh, for a company called Fear and Sons Immersive Horror Consulting. Yeah, you can join in the fun uh, on my side. No, that's weird. No, I want to join in the fun, Sam. Yeah, I want to join in. The it's fun. not fun yeah. if we're all doing it. You can find me at Coaster Sam Blog on Instagram. Check it out. We've got opinion pieces, articles, reviews, and we even do our very own trivia game show and vlogs, which Ryan has starred in, and I'm sure Brett will star in, and I'm sure Ash will star in. So come and check it out. It's a lot of fun. We have a lot of laughs. We have a lot of laughs. That was a great vine. And uh, yeah, and, and it's a lot of fun. Hit us up on Instagram. Give me a DM if you want. Um, and let's chill. I'm Theme Park Loopy. Obviously, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook. Uh, but do, if you are listening to the podcast and you're listening for the first time, do consider clicking that follow or subscribe button and maybe even leave us a review because it really helps. So thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. And we'll speak to you again real soon.